Welcome to the Bank of Me podcast channel, looking at how individual and team performance build strong cultures. Hosted by James Farrow and Chris Preston. You are listening to a deep dive episode. Hello there, this is Jane Sparrow and Chris Preston from The Culture Builders. Hello everyone. This week, or in this episode, we wanted to talk about individual approaches to remote working. And it's really in response to some of the things we're hearing and seeing around mass approaches to how to manage teams when they aren't in the office. And it gives us a little bit of cause for concern because as soon as you stop seeing people as people and see them as a group you fail to factor in the individual elements that are so important to ensure that people can remote work and do what they need to do successfully. So, Jane, what we've got in front of us are four personas. They are four workers that we have created from the conversations that we've had recently with people, what we've seen in the last few months over in Asia. And they are designed to get people thinking in a different way around the workforce that they're trying to manage at a distance. So why don't we introduce people then to, we've got Frankie, Drew, Charlie and Remy and talk about what this world might mean for them. Yes, absolutely. Let's start with Drew. Drew is 26. Drew is a technical support team member, currently single, lives in a shared house with other lodgers who are also in, in the house as well trying to work. Drew is a very social person and a very active part of the team when in the office. At the moment, Drew's having to work from their bedroom and is spending most of the day on the phone to customers or operating chatbots. They're only taking prescribed breaks. And Drew is absolutely bored. There's no interaction with other people and no opportunity to share banter, success and get energy from others. And what's happening now with Drew is Drew is starting to feel increasingly low. Energy's dropping, getting down, isn't getting out of the house as much. Jane... What can we do for Drew as a remote worker? There's lots we can do with Drew. Let's give you two things to think about if you've got people in your team, colleagues, or you're leading someone like Drew. The first thing is to think about team huddles as a way to create some human connection in the morning or at the beginning of the day, whatever that day looks like for that team. So a quick social team huddle, quick conversation about how people are feeling, what did you do last night? So it might be that someone had a Google Hangout with a member of their family or a friend or binged on a box set. Quick conversation around that. And then five minutes on priorities and focus for the day. And then critically, what Drew is going to be missing is the little social interactions that happen and that camaraderie. So perhaps set yourself a team challenge that every day in one of the prescribed breaks, the team will go and do something. So it might be 10 squats in the garden. It might be going and doing star jumps on a balcony. It might be 10 sit-ups. Whatever you decide is going to work for your team. But then critically, come back at the end of that prescribed break and have two minutes on a chat to talk about what you did and how successful you were with it. Also with Drew, there's energy there that you could tap into. So as a leader of that team... You don't have to do everything yourself. The more you can task Drew with the things that keep him or her energised, the better. Yeah, great point. Let's move on to Charlie. Charlie is 22 and a marketing assistant. 
has a partner and is currently living with their parents. The situation is that Charlie works from the dining room in their house and has some distraction from their parents. Not a great deal. Their approach to work is they're actually they're not that busy. So he's finding that most of the work that is asked of them can be done in the morning and the rest of the day is vacant time. So the main distractor is social media and it's become their main outlet to the world. Lots going on on Facebook, on Instagram. And they've also started binging on Netflix box sets. And what's been beginning to happen now is that they are fitting the work around the distractions and becoming less productive due to a lack of urgency rather than anything else. Jane? Yeah. yeah. What about Charlie? Well, the Charlie situation is how do you spot it, of course. But let's assume that you've spotted this trend because it's come out through some of your team social huddles and so on. The big thing to think about here is is creating more focus for Charlie. So what are the things that you could give Charlie that would fire fire them up that are going to create a little bit more energy and appetite and focus. The other thing I would do here is really dial up appreciation. So making sure that Charlie feels valued for the work that he or she is doing and that that is really going to encourage Charlie to focus on that over and above social media and the Netflix box sets. It's really important, though, this whole area around social media, because what we've seen in in our work in Asia is just how it's very easy for people to increase their social media consumption. And there is inevitably going to be a lot more negative than positive news. That's just the way it will be. So it can have a huge impact on how people feel and and can lead to anxiety and a feeling of hopelessness. So if if you're aware that somebody is using social media a lot, one of the things to think about is guiding them to use it as a reward. So making sure that it's a reward for a sprint of work and a sprint of focus is maybe something like 10 minutes on social media rather than it becoming a habit that actually will be really detrimental for their own well-being. Okay, great. Thank you. So, Charlie, stop using so much social media, but don't stop it altogether. And you're right, Jane, there is a lot out there that is worrying people. And what we're seeing almost now is as as many stories, disputing stories, as there are truth out there. And it, it is a scary thing to read. Yeah, and actually it was interesting because one of the, the pieces of work we did in, in China was create content a little bit like this, but tailored to the organization. And then that went on their own internal site, so the equivalent of their intranet. And what we've been told is that over time, the the people in that business used that as their go-to place for support and, and live content that they could trust because there was just so much out there in the world that, that they were reading that wasn't going to be helpful. So it really is important to make sure that you don't just get sucked into the negativity. Brilliant. I'm going to move things forward a little bit now with our final two personas. And we've got Frankie and we've got Remy. And I'm going to give you a scenario now where Remy is the manager of Frankie. So let's meet Remy first. Remy is 41. Remy is a senior manager within the company and currently has a partner and two children. The children are homeschooled by the partner and the partner is working as a GP but part-time at the moment, but this may change. Remy is in the unusual position that actually they can log on at nine o'clock, they can get a full day's work done and don't need to finish until 7 p.m. Remy has a support network around them that enables this. The only thing that Remy does stop for is lunch and to take the dog for a walk. 
So actually, Remy's got very few distractors. They've remote worked before and they find it easy, but actually only for a couple of days. And the key point here with Remy is that he's starting to find or she's starting to find that direct contact with the team is getting more difficult because it's remote. And Remy is calling the team more and more to chase things up and to try and stay on top of everything. So that's Remy. Yeah, and let's imagine we are Remy. What might we do and what advice might we we give ourselves? I would say for, for Remy here, let's just start by being self-aware of, of that is starting to happen and voice it. Talk to, talk to teammates, talk to colleagues, talk to Remy's team about how I'm feeling and therefore how that might be coming across in terms of my behavior and therefore an ask for help me here by. So voicing these things are often the very first stage after you're, you're, you're made aware of them. The other thing that that I would do if I was Remy is just remember that we're all different. This whole exercise, this whole conversation about the different personas reminds us every single person is going to be a different point every day. And so getting Remy to think about, you know, what are other people's preferences? How are they going to want to be working and how can I enable them? Sometimes that's more connection. Sometimes it might be less connection. So being much more attuned to the challenges others might be having with remote working. So dialing up the empathy a bit, Remy. Remy is sat there in the home office looking out the window and Remy is on the phone to Frankie. So let's meet Frankie. Frankie is 32 and a team leader for one of the after sales teams in the organisation. Frankie has a partner who is also a key worker so therefore has got to answer the call when, when it's made and is absolutely snowed under in terms of their own responsibility. They have a child that is at home full time. Frankie also has an elderly, frail parent to worry about. So Frankie fits it all around childcare and tends to deliver work in bursts and sometimes completes work late at night when the child's asleep. The main distractors for Frankie is that with the partner being a key worker, there's no support there, so Frankie has to go it alone. And also the concern about the elderly parent getting the, the support they need and someone there to help them. So over time, we're seeing Frankie becoming more overwhelmed and struggling to balance it all and working longer and longer to fit everything in. And although they're stretched, they're also trying to keep everything together because Frankie knows that the partner, as a key worker, is under as much, if not more, stress and pressure as they are. So, Jane, start off, think about how can Frankie cope, because they've got it toughest of all, I think. Yeah, they have. And you know what? At this point, I would just like to pause and just give our own call out to all of those people in, in the world, particularly for us in the UK, that are keeping the country going, caring for others. And for all those teachers and, and children um, being looked after, those key people in different environments, particularly schools, who are putting you know, th their lives potentially at risk. So huge call out to you and, and a big thanks. In terms of Frankie then, what, what could Frankie do? Well, first of all, an open conversation with Remy. So while Remy's looking out the window, feeling you know fairly okay with what's going on, Frankie is going to need to voice how, how this situation is and the reality rather than try and go it alone and just cope and cope. Because otherwise, Frankie's human bank account is going to go so into the red that that, that Frankie's no good for anybody else. And that's going to have catastrophic consequences. So voice it up, talk about it. It is not 
weakness. This is an absolutely extreme condition. And therefore, it's okay to say, I've got an ask here. I need you to be aware. The other thing there is to, to be okay with asking team for support. Again, if you voice out your, your position and, and say, can we find a way of working that means I can still deliver what you need, but in a way that's going to be productive for all of us. So some, some contracting around what, what will work. For other people, if they're hearing this about Frankie and observing it, it does mean you need to be really aware of having daily and regular check-ins, not long ones, but just how are you doing via all sorts of different media, just to make sure that Frankie is feeling supported. And if I were Remy, I'd probably be looking to reduce Frankie's workload, but really keep Frankie focused on the way she, what she or he can add value so that they feel appreciated and still a member of the team, but that some of that pressure is alleviated. And you, you started to talk there about the, the key point that the way that Remy works, this great nine to nine to five, nine to seven p.m. day, fits really well. But if Remy takes that and applies it to Frankie, it would cause chaos and even more stress. So we talk about this phrase, the third culture. The third culture is the middle point, where we both have an input, we both have a control over what it looks like, and together we agree a working practice that isn't based around what I need, isn't based around what you need. It's based around what we can both do together sustainably. So again, Jane, for the, the Remy and the Frankie situation, what makes sense to create in terms of a third culture? You talked about changing hours and patterns. What else would you add into there? It starts with a very open and honest conversation, as I've said, and that the ground rules even for that conversation being set so that both parties feel comfortable voicing what they need. And, and, and Remy or Frankie starting that conversation with, look, we both want to make sure we succeed through this period. We both deliver huge amounts of value. Let's talk about what we both need, get that out, and then talk about, okay, so what does that look like in that third space? What overlaps and how do we deliver to each other what we need? That might be things like a working day structure. It might be some flex from Remy to say, actually, let's have a daily check-in at 8 a.m. rather than me starting at 9 a.m. It might be saying to Frankie, I want you to stop at five and I want you to have your downtime until bedtime. And I'm here on the phone if you need me between the hours of eight and 10. So agreeing a new working pattern that's going to work for both of them so that Remy feels he's supported or she's supporting and that Frankie feels that, that they can add value in a way that is going to be most palatable, productive and, and really kind of realistic for, for them. Thank you, Jane. There is one last thing I'd like you to add into this mix and it's your story, so I'll let you colour it in a little bit more. But we were talking to one of the people that we work with earlier today planning one of the, our remote sessions to support their management population and she made the highly insightful point that it is important that we do not start comparing people can you just explain what she meant by that yeah it would be very easy to look at a team and start saying gosh that person's working really well under remote conditions and that person isn't and then almost stack them that way and that is something to be avoided at all costs because this is a highly unusual situation. People are going to hopefully be doing their best. And your job as a leader and as a colleague is to help people be successful. So 
really try to avoid judging would be my nudge there and dial up your empathy recognize everybody at stages over the next three potentially more months are going to be working at different paces they're going to have to adopt different ways of working and that in different times they will slip backwards or forwards in how they're feeling so you know avoid the judgment be supportive set each other up for success thank you jane that's a great point to end on Thanks, Chris. And thanks for listening. We'll continue to produce content. And of course, you know where to find us. And actually, we haven't given the latest book a plug, which we probably should have done. Available on Amazon, Bank of Me, a special edition for remote working. So search it up and use the tips, advice and inspiration that's within. Talk to you again soon. Thank you for listening. Continue the journey at www.theculturebuilders.com.